TII item 369, October 21st, 2015. iOS 9.1 and watchOS 2.0.1 are released. Welcome to Today in iPhone. Yeah, I like it a lot. Today in iPhone. Hey, Golly! Oh, yeah. My beautiful iPhone, which I never have out of my hand and that I do everything with and has become an extension of who I am. This episode is sponsored by Bowl and Branch. Visit bowlandbranch.com and use promo code TII to save $50 off your order and to get free shipping. This episode of Today in iOS is brought to you by lynda.com. Learn the top software, creative, and business skills from easy-to-follow video tutorials at lynda.com. Start your free 10-day trial. Visit lynda.com slash TII. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob, and this is the Today in iOS podcast. First up, I want to thank Stacy for sending in the music you hear in the background. Stacy wrote, Hi, Rob. I created this song called Intergalactic Battle with the app Chord Gadget, and the track was mastered with AudioShare. This is from my album Space Age Sonic Goodness, where all the songs were created on an iOS device. You can find my music by searching for Spectral Sevenths, two words in Spotify. Regards, Stacy P. Well, thanks, Stacy, again for the music. And folks, I will put the full song at the end of the episode. Also, want to thank Bruce for sending in the artwork for today's show. Bruce wrote the following: Hi, Rob. This is a photo I took one evening while playing the iconic Island Green 17th hole at TPC Sawgrass. Using my iPhone 6S Plus, I used the Snapseed app to apply some tweaks, the Stock Photos app to apply a filter, and finally the Photar app for the text. Thanks for all you do, and sorry, but go pack go. Anyway, regards, Bruce Woodall. Bruce Thanks for sending in the artwork, and folks, you can see Bruce's artwork in the free TI app via the bonus button for episode 369, or at Instagram.com slash todayinios, and also as a standalone post in the VIP section, and at Facebook.com slash todayinios. If you have some artwork and or music, really need music, you have created on your iOS device that you would like to share with the audience, please email to me at todayinios at gmail.com. And please make sure to include which app or apps you use to create said artwork and or music. In this segment of How Wrong Were They, we have the following quote. Quote, yes, yes, Apple makes an iPad, but doesn't make a movie. We will prove that it's not who makes the tablet first who counts, but who makes it better. Unquote. Howard Stringer, CEO, Sony, 31st August 2011. Howie baby, you are missing the big picture. Apple does not make movies, but they have a really tight relationship with Disney. And I think Disney has a little family of movies called Star Wars, plus many of the Marvel movies to boot. Just saying. For promo codes on episode 368, we offered up chances to win promo codes for the app MyOG. If you are interested in this app or want more info, go back and listen to the beginning of episode 368. This week, we have promo codes for the app Golden Days, two words. Here is a written review from the dev. Quote, hi, I'm the developer of Good Task, and I just made a new app named Golden Days. It helps you remember important days beautifully, not only showing days left for the event, it also shows slideshow based on your photos related to the event. You can put in big events you're waiting for, birthdays, anniversaries, or starting day of something important to let you count from day one. Well, like, I don't know, maybe the release of Star Wars. 
automatically automatic alerts, notes, app icon badges, iCloud sync, sharing, today widget and are all supported. Also supports Apple Watch with complications available and with Watch OS 2. Thanks a lot. Unquote. Well, thanks to the dev for their review of their app, Golden Days, and for sending in the promo codes to give away. Folks, if you would like a chance for a promo code for this app, please send an email to todayinios at gmail.com and put Golden Days, two words, in the subject line. A quick reminder, if you are an app dev or an iBook author, email me if you want your app or iBook featured in the promo giveaway segment for free. We just need the five promo codes or more to give away. Simply email me at todayinios at gmail.com. Please include a 60-second or less audio review of your app or iBook, indicating you are the dev or author. Also, when you send in the promo codes, please make sure to let me know when they expire. One of the things or indicators that lets me know I'm doing a good job reporting on the show is when I have Apple fanboys saying, I am too hard on Apple, and non-fanboys saying, I am too soft. Here is an example of the latter from the Google Plus community. Quote, I just listened to the latest TII podcast app 368. Insert unimpressed emoticon. Let me preface this by saying I usually enjoy the show and respect what Rob does for us as a community. However, I strongly disagree on Rob's dismissive reporting of Chipgate. Rob takes the obvious position of an Apple shareholder who doesn't own a Samsung-based A96S. I understand his position, but many anecdotal examples add up to something which can't be easily dismissed, unquote. This again from the Google Plus community and from Sess. He was complaining about the really bad battery life with his unit, and some of us tried to tell him politely he just had a defective unit and to take his iPhone to the Apple Store to get it replaced. And that chipgate issue was really overblown. But sadly, he just wanted to rail against anyone that said there is no chipgate. He got so worked up that when Consumer Reports released their report, which 100% agreed with what I said, that Chipgate is bogus. And I should also mention um, when he took his phone to Apple and they replaced his unit, as we suggested was needed, he refused to apologize and then went on a I'm getting myself banned from the community rant post, which I was happy to oblige. So Sess, he's no more in the community. Sorry, folks, you do need to keep it civil. FYI, someone giving you advice you don't want to hear is not being uncivil. Getting upset at good advice and then being mean in your post, that is uncivil. Bye-bye. And by the way, folks, ancidental evidence is not evidence. I once had a professor in college when I was going to engineering school that told us that chips run on smoke. Because once you let the smoke out of the chips, they stop working. Hey, ancidental evidence shows that he was right. Now, speaking of real evidence, per the Consumer Reports article, my only concern is that they only used two iPhones, one with the SAMI inside and one with the TSMC inside. Other than that, they found what they found in the real world testing is pretty much that the two units perform the same way within one or two percent of each other. Or as they conclude, quote, smartphones are as complicated as the people who use them. So it's impossible to say with certainty that the battery and temperature performance differences we measured in this chipgate testing will be consistent in every imaginal scenario. But if the iPhone 6S users are ever disappointed with their phones, 
we're confident it won't be because they bought the model with the wrong chip, unquote. So again, stick a fork in Chipgate, as that story is dead. And yes, I am deliberately being dismissive of the schlock story. Apple released iOS 9.1, the first single dot update for iOS 9. Downloads were very, very slow by Wednesday evening. As always, I would suggest you wait a week. Uh, but at a min, wait until your weekend before updating if you need the device for work. Also, follow the update instructions in the TII app. Okay, that all said, I did go and update some of the devices. For the iPad Mini Retina, my wife's iPad, shh, don't tell her. It is still, uh, it was still on iOS 8.4.1, so it was a full update, over 1.8 gigabytes in size. And that took over two hours, probably about three, three and a half hours to download. I did that one via iTunes on the computer. My iPhone 6 Plus, I did the over-the-air update, and it was much quicker, but I did it early in the day when it was first available. Okay, so what is updated? Well, according to the notes, the following. Live Photos now intelligently senses when you raise or lower your iPhone so that Live Photos will automatically not record these movements, which I had more than one person email in about hoping Apple would make such a change. One person even saying that they had done a live photo where they had lowered the camera and they were in their towel and, well, it gave too much information in the, in the photo. Other updates include Apple giving you the finger. Yes, as in giving you the middle finger, literally. As in the middle finger is now one of the over 150 new emoji characters added with full support for Unicode 7.0 and 8.0, um, all those emojis. Um, because, well, you can never have too many emojis. There is also, of course, the infamous improved stability, especially with regards to CarPlay, music, photos, Safari, and search. Hmm, no mention of improved stability for podcast app. There is improved performance while in multitasking UI. 9.1 fixes an issue that could cause calendar to become unresponsive in month view. It fixes an issue that prevented Game Center from launching for some users, resolved an issue that zoomed the content of some apps, resolves an issue that could cause an incorrect unread mail count for pop mail counts, fixes an issue that prevented users from removing recent contacts from new mail or messages, fixes an issue that caused some messages to not appear in mail search results, Resolves an issue that left a gray bar in the body of an audio message. Also here, it um, fixed the issue where sometimes it, you could only do the audio input. Fixes an issue that caused activation errors on some carriers. Fixes an issue that prevented some apps from updating from the App Store. I know quite a few of you had that issue. By the way, uh, going to update the apps you will now get a message that says the iTunes Store terms and conditions changed and you need to accept them. Good news. It seems you no longer have to sign over your firstborn. That clause was replaced with something about the removal of your left, hmm, left kidney. Yeah, not going to go the other place. And we have some initial feedback from TII listeners. Well, first, let me give you my feedback. Uh, updated my iPhone 6 Plus and my wife's iPad mini Retina. Did not have any issues with the update other than the really, really long time for it to download. But 
no crashes, no lockups, no freezing. Uh, everything seems to work well. I went into my wife's iPad mini. I added one blocker for her. So we'll see how she likes it because she's been complaining recently. Websites have been slowing down. So anyway, from my perspective, the updates went well. From Tosino, quote, so iOS 9.1 brings Apple news to the UK, but still no around me search options as part of Siri suggestions. Is that it? Or are we to expect it at some point later point? Unquote. From Myron Euchre, quote, I'm very happy to report that it at least seems that the music is now working properly in iOS 9.1. That is to say, only offline music really means that now. I can once again use Shuffle, and I can plug my phone into my car radio without it starting from the same song every time. Unfortunately, there may be another bug. I received a phone call and made one while driving both times after hanging up. Music didn't resume until I hit the volume up on the radio. I'm not sure what that was all about, unquote. From Ryan B, quote, the update to iOS 9 went very smoothly for me. I love the new emojis, unquote. From David L, who said it may be the best, quote, 150 new emojis. Now I can annoy even more people, unquote. So I'll say this. If you just can't live without the 150 new emojis, then you must update right now. But for others, I still recommend waiting a week, as always. Any issues um, will come up in that time frame, I'm sure. I will mention what those issues are on the next episode, if there are any. But so far, things are looking good. Not um, Now, there is one group that definitely does need to hold off updating to 9.1, and that is the jailbreakers, as 9.1 did break the latest jailbreak from Pangu. For those that do not listen to my advice and update or updated, please let me know your experience, good, bad, or meh. Give us a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOONDOG. Or shoot an e email to today and iOS at gmail.com. Okay, iOS 9.1 was not the only OS update today from Apple. There was also WatchOS 2.0.1, the first double dot update for WatchOS. As with any double dot update, it is about the bugs, man. The bugs. Apple said the following about WatchOS update. Quote, this update contains new emoji characters, unquote. Well, dang, you had me an emoji. Oops, I'm sorry. Back to the, the update. Quote, performance improvements and bug fixes, including fixes, an issue that could cause software updates to stall. Fixes an issue where uh, impacting battery performance. In other words, if you had a fast draining watch, this should fix it. Resolves an issue that prevented a managed iPhone from syncing iOS calendar events to the Apple Watch. Quite a few of you have had mentioned that issue addresses an issue that could prevent location information from properly updating, fixes an issue that could cause digital touch to send an email from an email address instead of a phone number, addresses an issue that could cause instability when using a live photo as a watch face, resolves an issue that allows the sensor to stay on indefinitely when using Siri to measure heart rate. Oh, I saw that one a couple times. Unquote. As always, to update watchOS, go to the Apple Watch app on your iPhone, go to Settings, and then Software Update, and scroll to the bottom and tap on Download and Install. But first, make sure your Apple Watch is in range of your iPhone connected to, connected to Wi-Fi, and 
that the Apple Watch is connected to its charger and that it is charged at least 50% before going and doing the download and install. Got all that? Well, if not, that's what the rewind button's for. I would like to thank Bowl and Branch again for sponsoring the show. There is a new Apple TV going on sale at the end of this month. We'll talk about that more in a few minutes. And that means for many, more time in bed. And Bowl and Branch offers luxury sheets at an affordable price. The sheets from Bowl and Branch are made from 100% organic cotton because organic cotton is incredibly soft. And the sheets get softer each time you wash them. We've had ours for three months now, and they are incredible. They make you just want to sleep naked. And that's a good thing if you're married, by the way. Um, and they keep even getting softer, the sheets, that is. You'll get the nicest sheets you've ever owned for about half the price of what stores and boutiques would be charging for sheets of far lower quality. I really could not believe how excited my wife was to get these new sheets. And the box they came in and the individual pouches for the sheets and pillowcases. Well, the presentation was incredible and very Apple-esque. And this is really makes a nice present for the uh, significant other in your life. Until Bowl and Branch, no one challenged the department stores. So they've been overcharging you for crummy sheets forever. And there just was nowhere else to shop. But now you can buy right from bowlandbranch.com with bowl spelled B-O-L-L. Folks, you can kiss those retail markups goodbye. These sheets are only sold online at bowlandbranch.com. You can't buy them in any stores. That is how they keep the pricing low and free of markup. But here's the best part. Don't take my word for it. Try them out yourself for 30 days risk-free. Bowling Branch is so sure you are going to fall in love with these sheets that they will give you 30 nights to try them out. If you don't love them for any reason, they'll take them back and refund you without any hassle at all. And folks, with the new Apple TV coming again, that means more time spent in your bed. So make sure you have the best sheets to go with the best set-top box. If you order right now, they will give you $50 off a set of sheets, plus give you free shipping. Just go to bowlandbranch.com and use the promo code TII. That's right, $50 off by going right now to B-O-L-L-A-N-D-B-R-A-N-C-H.com and using the promo code TII. Hey there, Rob. This is Joe from Miami. I'm calling to answer a question for your listener named Scott, I believe, perhaps from Tempe, Arizona, who had an issue with autoplay on Bluetooth when he gets into his car. I have the same issue myself, and I fixed it. There are two ways to fix it. Number one is a lesson I learned in 1970 when my mother had a Cadillac Coupe de Ville with quadraphonic sound and an 8-track player. When she would get out of the car, she would just turn the car off, and then when she would get back in the car... The stereo would play at a high level, whatever she happened to be listening to. On a particular day, those who know Steppenwolf, there's a song called The Pusher that has a very loud curse word in it. Uh, she picked up my grandmother and I, turned on her car and immediately let loose a big GD, The Pusher Man. So I learned a lesson to always turn down the stereo when I shut the car off, just in case. So that will fix his issue. There's another fix that I found, which is when you get out of the car turn the stereo to FM or AM or some other band. That way, when you get in the car with your phone, it will not automatically start playing Bluetooth. So a couple of solutions for him. Hope that helps. Love the show. Bye for now. Thanks, Joe, for the feedback. Into the email bag we go. Hey, Rob, I've got two things for you today. The first is about the emails you've received about iOS 9 making people change their passcodes to six digits instead of four. I'm surprised no one has mentioned this at all. With iOS 9, Apple reordered how the setup of your phone works. 
Before iOS 9, you went through these screens, language, region, Wi-Fi, location services, setup, sign-in, touch ID, passcode, Apple Pay, Siri, screen, uh, diagnostics. In iOS 9, they changed the order of this. Now you perform touch ID and passcode before restoring your backup. But the big change is that the passcode screen shows six digits. Well, before, if you didn't want that, there was a link above the keyboard that pops up saying set up passcode later. It's still there. Now it says passcode options and include alphanumeric, four digit, and no passcode. Mind you, this is only if you restored your phone on iOS 9 and above. Secondly, for those of you who are having the gray bar on the messaging app in the text field, I spoke to Apple about this and they said their software engineers were working on this issue and were resolving it in iOS 9.1 updates. And that is not a hardware issue and that no replacement phone would resolve. For now, the only workaround is for quitting the app and relaunching it. Regards, Brandon. Well, that was true before today. Now, Brandon, iOS 9.1 is out and it does resolve that issue or supposed to at least. So if anyone was having that issue, and you've updated to iOS 9.1, let us know if you're still having that issue or if it does truly appear fixed. Back to the email bag. Hey Rob, I'm a longtime fan who owned every iPhone since the original. Since I'm a serious lover of mobile technology, I also dabbled in Android, though I always come back to iOS. Hey, we've heard that story before. Anyways, on episode 368, you discussed single-core benchmark tests and mentioned the HTC Nexus 9 as the only Android phone to beat the iPhone. Well, the iPhone 6, that was, um, and, and 6 Plus. Well, the Nexus 9 is actually a tablet, not a phone, so the iPhone can remain, that iPhone 6 and 6 Plus, can remain undefeated in your mentioned single-core speed tests. I'd also like to mention that Android manufacturers' processors thrive on multi-core benchmarks, not single-core. It is in this that the iPhone loses to most Android flagships. Now this means absolutely nothing, since just because a semi-truck has bigger motor than a Civic doesn't mean the semi will beat it in a race. This is just to say that iOS is fluid, beautiful experience. It's not because of specs or benchmarks but because of the optimization of the hardware and software regards Edwin in Miami, Florida. Thanks, Edward, for the feedback. Hi, Rob. This is Jim from Pennsylvania. I just wanted to call and let your listeners know that I just found a small tweak in iOS 9.0.2. I noticed in the podcast app that the little buttons that would allow you to go back 15 seconds or forward 15 seconds was missing in the uh, podcast app. And it's been very frustrating because I use that quite a bit, especially when I'm driving. If you're talking about something and I want to go back a few seconds to hear an answer a second time. And I just noticed tonight that they do show up in the lock screen. If I'm listening to a podcast and I lock the phone and then just push the home button to awaken it but not unlock it, those 15-second forward and backwards buttons are there. However, that doesn't help if you're watching a video podcast because obviously you can't watch a video podcast in the lock screen. So I just thought I would send that in if any of the other listeners are having the same issue. Uh, I know that I was really missing it, and at least it's still there for the audio podcasts. I just wish they would put it back where it was for the video podcasts. Thanks for all you do, Rob. Bye. 
Jim, thanks for the feedback. And the forward and back buttons are there. If you're not seeing them, you have to tap. It's the small bar now. You tap on the bar, it raises it up, and then you can see the forward and back. Now, sometimes the forward and back buttons disappear, and you have to force quit the podcast app, and sometimes even reboot your phone, and then when it comes back on, the buttons will be there. But I've seen them disappear a couple times on me, rebooted the phone after force quitting the app, and then they reappear. So if you're not seeing it, do that. And who knows, maybe 9.1 fixed the issue. Apple didn't really say if uh, stability issues were being improved with the podcast app. We are now well over 2,499 members in our Google Plus community and growing. Thanks to everyone that has joined, and thanks for the great posts and the civil posts. One new post in the Google Plus community that went up since the last episode came from John Clark, who posted the following question. Quote, question for the community about the podcast app. Are downloaded podcasts using data for playback if not connected to Wi-Fi? I have an iPhone 6 Plus for a work phone and listen to podcasts almost exclusively on my commute to and from work. I subscribe to several podcasts and have them downloaded over Wi-Fi while at home or at work. Last month, as a company, we had over $1,200 in data overages, and we have been warned that we will be charged for excessive data usage. If I remember correctly, in order to listen to podcasts, I need to have cellular turned on. I don't want to take a hit if I can avoid it, unquote. I responded saying, no, turn cellular data to off. Go to settings, podcasts, cellular data, and turn it off. Also, while there, turn on only download on Wi-Fi. That will ensure at least for the podcast app, you are not using any cellular data. Also, while you are there at cellular, um, go and look under data. If you scroll down, you see the apps. Look and see how much bandwidth it's using. So you can actually see. So for example, when I looked at the podcast app for myself, I saw it was 2.8 gigabytes of usage since the last time I reset the data. So you can see which apps are chewing up your data by going into settings and then cellular and then going and scrolling down and finding the apps and you can see how much data each of those apps are using. So you'll know if that is your culprit and, or what your culprit is for a lot of your data usage. Since the last episode, there were also dozens and dozens and dozens of new posts and comments in the TIA Google Plus community, which is an Android fanboys free zone and spammer free zone and a snarky well, mean free zone. Yep, it's the most civil Google Plus community covering iOS. Folks, go to todayinios.com slash community to join in. And thanks to all 2,499 plus of you already in the community and contributing. Also from the Google Plus community was this post from Myron Euchre, who wrote, quote, here's an iOS 9 tip for you using an external keyboard. If you hold down the command key for a few seconds, in many apps, you'll see an overlay that lists what the command does in that app. Wouldn't you know, Google Plus doesn't do anything, but it works in most other apps, including Mail, Home Screen, and all Microsoft Office apps, etc. In fact, I learned about it from the release notes for the latest version of Microsoft Office apps and decided to try it, unquote. Well, thanks, Myron, for that very useful tip. Apple's next quarterly conference call will be next week on the 27th, so that means next episode, we will be going over what was reported or not reported. And likely, hopefully, that next episode will be up late on the 27th. I'll go over then what people, as an analyst, predicted for the iPhone and iPad sales. 
But if I were a betting man, I would put the number of iPhones sold last quarter at around 49.2 million units. That's just above where they were last quarter, or the previous quarter. Per iPad sales, 9.6 million units is where I would go for a guess. We will see how far off I was versus how far off the analysts were on the next episode. I will say this, good or bad, the important quarter is the one we are in right now, and that report won't be out until the end of January. Apple made news this past week when word broke that Apple had yanked over 250 apps. These apps were gathering personal info against Apple's requirements and rules. Here is what Apple had to say on this. Quote, We've identified a group of apps that were using a third-party advertising SDK developed by Yomi, Y-O-U-M-I, a mobile advertising provider that uses private API to gather private information, such as your email addresses and device identifier and route data to its company server. This is in violation of our security and privacy guidelines. The apps using Yomi's SDKs have been removed from the App Store, and any new apps submitted to the App Store using this SDK will be rejected. We're working closely with developers to help them get updated versions of their apps that are safe for customers and in compliance with our guidelines back in the App Store quickly. Unquote. Per apps on Android that do the same thing, do you know what they call those apps on Android? Yep. They just call them apps. Surprised Apple did not catch that earlier, but it is what it is, and Apple removed them, and now they're getting back to, well, having apps out there that meet the requirements. But again, what, what gathering of information that this app was doing, again, this is standard operating procedure pretty much for Android apps. Since the last episode, Apple has announced new iMacs, a new Magic Trackpad, a new keyboard, and a new mouse. Combine that with the iPad Pro and the iPad updates that are coming. And why again did we not have an October event? Really baffles me. They had plenty to announce at an October event. They could have really strung things out. And the new Magic Trackpad, it supports Force Touch, same as on the trackpad of MacBook and MacBook Pro. Need to get that. Probably we'll just put it in with the order for the new Apple TV when I go to order that. But yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, getting the new trackpad. I, I already use the old Magic Trackpad, so want to definitely get that. Speaking of which, Tim Cook was a guest star at Wall Street Journal D Live. In his appearance, he said that the Apple TV would go on sale on Monday, the 26th, with shipments starting later that week. I think someone might have leaked that info to him. If Apple holds true with past new items for sale, then at 12.01 a.m. Pacific time on the 26th, they will go on sale. Hopefully, there will be more info before the end of this week, but if you want the new Apple TV, be ready to purchase it on the 26th, and be sure to use the Apple Store app, as that tends to go live first when new products are released. If I, when I get more info on this, I will put it out as a push notification and maybe a special post in the TI app. was really hoping that info would have been available prior to this episode, but there was nothing yet on the Apple site as I went to recording. So let's quickly go over the new Apple TV again. There are two versions, one with 32 gig of storage selling for $149 and another with 64 gig of storage selling for $199. So $50 doubles the storage. 
I personally recommend the $199 unit as the extra storage will, well, that's probably not all that critical now when you first get it, but down the line, it pretty much future-proofs it. The new Apple TV supports Siri, an app store, and comes with an official remote that has motion sensors, but supports third-party game controllers as well. Per the Apple TV remote, or as they call it, the Siri remote, it has a glass touch surface, dual mics for Siri, an accelerometer and gyroscope for games, Bluetooth to talk to the Apple TV, and infrared remote for talking to your TV. And you charge it via a lightning port. The new Apple TV supports an app store, which we have been waiting for for, I don't know, ever? And internally, it has an A8 processor, just like in the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus. It has the same length and width specs as the last generation Apple TV, but the height did go up. Again, be ready with your iTunes Store app come 12.01 a.m. Pacific time on the 26th, and keep an eye out for more info about that coming soon. This past Monday, tickets went on sale for The Force Awakens, and when they did, the entire nerddom came crashing down on Fandango's website like Jabba the Hutt on a bowl of M&Ms. And it was not pretty, folks. And when I realized the site was most likely not going to be coming back for some time, I thought, hmm, where have we seen something like this before? Oh yeah, pre-ordering Apple gear. And what works there? The Apple App Store app. So I went on my iPhone and looked for a Fandango app and downloaded it and created a quick account and was able to purchase tickets in a matter of a couple of minutes. Uh, and I got tickets to the first showing on Thursday, December 17th, the day before it really launches. So for me, the wife, and our two kids, we've got the four tickets. Score, dad looks like a Jedi Knight in the eyes of his kids. And the kids get to go to the movie a day before all their friends. And well, dad is stoked as well. And yes, yes, I will be dressing up as a Jedi once again. But this all fits in here because I want to say kudos to Fandango. Their app is great, and they really, really um, designed it. I mean, it was really well designed. I know it's, it's more fun to be snarky, but every now and then I like to call out an app and developer and give them kudos for a job well done. And guys, whoever developed the, the Fandango app, job well done. I think going forward, I'll be using it to do all my movie purchasing and buying. Uh, it even puts the tickets right in the wallet app, just like if I was buying a Southwest ticket or some other ticket. If you have not purchased your tickets yet for The Force Awakens, I would recommend you check out the Fandango app and do so as soon as possible. As mentioned earlier, this episode is brought to you by Lynda, the online learning platform with over 3,300 on-demand video courses to help you strengthen your business, technology, and creative skills. For a free 10-day trial, visit lynda.com slash TII. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash TII. Lynda is for problem solvers, for the curious, for people who want to make things happen. Maybe you want to master Excel, learn negotiation tactics, build a website, or boost your Photoshop skills. Go to lynda.com slash TII and feed your curious mind. Some of the courses I think many of you will benefit from that were added or updated in the last couple of weeks are Excel tips with Dennis Taylor. Yes, an oldie, but a goodie and just updated. Communication tips with Tatiana Kolovova and Brenda Bailey Hughes. And writing to be heard on LinkedIn with Daniel Roth. 
With a Linda membership, you can download tutorials and watch them on the go, including access on your iOS device, stream over 3,300 video courses on demand, and learn on your own schedule. Take notes as you go and refer to them later. Create and save playlists of courses you want to watch or to share with friends or colleagues. Your Linda membership will give you unlimited access to training on hundreds of topics, all for one flat rate. Whether you're looking to become an industry expert, you're passionate about a hobby, or just want to learn something new, I want you to visit lynda.com slash TII and sign up for your free 10-day trial. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash TII. Thanks, Linda. Rob, hi. This is Sean Cole from upstate New York. Um, first-time caller, long-time listener. Love the show. Appreciate everything that you do for the iOS community. And I've got a question for you and or the listeners. Um, I've got a problem that happens intermittently when I'm trying to enter in a new calendar event in my iOS calendar. And I'm trying to set a reminder. I may change what calendar it's uh, differentiated into. But it comes up with a message saying, cannot save. Uh, this calendar does not match. I'm wondering if uh, you or the listeners uh, have a workaround or if it's uh, a Wi-Fi issue. I really am not sure, but uh, any help would be greatly appreciated. Thanks. Appreciate all you do. Sean, thanks for listening and for calling in for the first time. And if anyone out there can help Sean, let us know. Give us a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG, or shoot an email to todayinios at gmail.com. And that can include you, Sean, if iOS 9.1 fixed your issue. Are you still seeing that issue with 9.1? Please let us know. That said, if anyone else out there had that issue and was able to fix that issue, let us know how you fixed it. Here's the email back. Hi, Rob. Long-time listener. Love the show. I've been using my Apple Watch since I received it in June. One of the features I use all the time is the fitness app. It's nice to have all of my daily exercise information recorded and saved so I can view it later at my convenience. I was wondering if you or one of the listeners know a way to export all of that data out of the activity app so that I can share it with my doctor. Every time I go in for my annual checkup, the first question my doctor asks me is how much do you exercise? It'd be nice if there was a way to show him the actual data is there any apps out there that can plot this information out? Thanks for all you do. And thanks for all the feedback from the listeners, both on the podcast and the Google Plus community. Regards, James. So again, throw that one out there. If anyone has an answer for James, give us a call or shoot us an email. Also in the email bag. Hi, Rob. I finally pulled the trigger on an Apple Watch, Black Sport Edition. But the first thing I went to do, I find out I cannot do. I want to be able to display the seconds on a digital face. It seems you're only able to get blinking colon separators, but no ability to display the actual seconds. This is pretty frustrating as I believe digital watches have been displaying seconds for many, many decades. I would even be okay with a complication that would just do a running second count, but I can't find that either. Do you know why Apple might have not enabled the ability to display seconds in the digital faces? And if there is any workaround or complication that can help with this. Guards, David. Well, David, my first thought was, really? There's no watch face that doesn't display seconds? That must not be true. And then I went and looked, and that is true. So I can't answer your question as to why Apple might have done this or not enabled as a feature because I would assume they did. 
But if anyone knows of a watch face or a way to get seconds displaying on your Apple Watch, please let us know. Give us an email, shoot us an email or give us a call. Back to the email bag. Hello, Rob. Before I ask my question, I feel like I'm obligated to tell you how much I enjoy your show. It is one of the few shows I listen to the day it comes out and never fast forward through. Thanks for the show and the hard work that comes with, along with it. My question is on the Apple Watch. How can you tell if a given app is a Watch OS 2 app and will be native on the watch? Thanks, John B. John, thanks for the feedback. Now, first, we need to define what does it mean for the app to go native. Well, it means the apps will be able to run entirely on the Apple Watch without relying on the iPhone. It also allows developers to access the device's built-in heart rate sensor, haptic engine, accelerometer, and microphone, and you can build third-party complications to display information on the watch face. So there, that's what it means if an app is native. So the easiest way to tell if an app is native is you start the app and you put your iPhone on airplane mode. So if you put your iPhone in airplane mode and you can use the watch app, it's native. If it needs to communicate with the Apple Watch to run, then it's not. Now you might say, well, how can the Apple Watch get scores or something like that for a native sports app if it doesn't have access to the iPhone to get the internet? Well, the Apple Watch communicates with Wi-Fi. So as long as you're in a Wi-Fi area that your phone has already been as an accepted hotspot, uh, as you know, in your normal Wi-Fi area, your Apple Watch should connect to it and should be able to communicate to the internet directly and not have to go through the iPhone. So again, what it really means to be native is that it doesn't rely on the iPhone for instructions. Rob, good afternoon. This is Steve in Los Angeles. I have a question for you guys, and uh, maybe someone could give me their thoughts on how to proceed. I still have the iPad 3 from 2012. I also have a Surface Pro 3. Now, I definitely need to update my iPad, but I don't know if the iPad Pro is going to be too large for casual reading, and my concern is that uh, Apple did not announce a update to the iPad Air 2, which is now a year old. So do we get do I get last year's technology if the iPad uh, Pro looks too big, or how would you proceed? Love to hear everybody's thoughts. Thank you so much, Rob. Been listening to you since 2008. Thank you. Steve, my theory on this is that the iPad Pro and the latest generation iPhones are going to run the latest generation of processors. And the iPad Air and the iPad Mini will run one generation behind. So you're going to see the iPad Air and the iPad Mini staying this year at the A8 processor, where the iPad Pro is going to be A9. A year from now, the iPad Pro will go up to the A10. And then the iPad Air and the iPad Mini will move up to the A9. So I think what you're seeing is a generation gap between the iPad Pro and the iPad Air and Mini, just like we had last year between the iPad Air and the iPad Mini. Now the Mini's up on par with the iPad Air, but they're going to be one full generation behind the iPad Pro. And I think that's the way Apple's going to go going forward. For a Kickstarter project this week, we have, quote, the world's first automatic iPhone 6 6S aluminum wallet, unquote, by Griso. Nice name, guys. This one had a goal of 10K, and they are at 18K, so irregardless of the name, they are funded. 
And if you want in on this one, you have until November 19th at 9.01 a.m. Central Time. So what is this case? Well, quote, the iPhone 6 and 6S protective case with a secure and hidden wallet made of aircraft-grade aluminum patent-pending mechanism, unquote. Okay, still not getting it, are you? I wasn't at that point. It is actually a pretty sweet-looking case. And what, you, and what you do is you slide the back up, and when you do that, a drawer opens up where, at the bottom, where you can have a credit card or driver's license or some cash. You need to go to the site, see it in action, because words do not explain it, but it is pretty cool. Pricing on this while they last for early bird is $59. Then it goes to $79, and they claim it will retail at $120. Delivery is slated for December, and that would be December 2015. Yeah, you never know with Kickstarter. If you search for aluminum wallet or Griso, G-R-E-S-S-O, at kickstarter.com, you can find out more information or just look for the link in the show notes for episode 369. Another crowdfunded project I want to mention is one called The Quarter. It is a fast charging power bank. It uses the MagSafe connector from your MacBook to charge the power bank, and it can be charged in as little as 15 minutes. So if you ever had one of those instances where you needed to leave the house right away and you realize that your phone is almost dead, and then you go and grab the battery pack and it's almost dead, well, this is for you. It is just $39. Look for the link titled Quarter, a fast charging power bank in the show notes for episode 369. And obviously the name quarter comes from a quarter hour to get this thing charged. There was an article from DXO Mark, which is a photography site that did a review of the new iPhone 6S for photos and video, and then gave it a score and then compared that score to other leading Android devices. And the results were not as good as many other sites had made out the new cameras to be. Many other sites said the iPhone 6S is by far the best camera out there, whereas this site said by best, if you mean 10th best, sure. But here is the thing. They rank the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus ahead of the 6S. So call me a little surprised, if not downright skeptical, but, you know, since I've been known to be, quote, dismissive, unquote, of things lately, I thought I would actually bring in an expert to talk about this issue. Here is part of a recording sent in from Mike at the Petapixels podcast, uh, the official podcast for a photography site, with an Alexa rank of 4219 versus DXMO Mark's rank of 1332. So lower is better, and Petapixels is much lower. Actually, before DXMO Marks trashed the iPhone 6S, its Alexa rank was over 20,000. So not saying they did anything nefarious here to get better rankings and drive traffic, because you know that would be me being, quote, dismissive, unquote. But again, I brought in Mike to give his thoughts on this. Here we go. Hey, Rob, thank you so much for having me on to talk about the DxO Mark stuff. You know, I should probably explain that in the camera world, DxO Mark, good or bad, is the definitive source for testing sensors. And a lot of people miss that last part. Sensors, not cameras. They're not telling you which camera to get or which is the best camera. They're telling you which is the best, in their opinion, sensor. 
I think many people read that one camera is better than the other and choose it based on that rating. And it really shouldn't be the end-all and be-all criteria for buying a camera or a smartphone. It should just be one part of the puzzle. So when DxO Mark comes out with a rating, I take it with a little bit of a grain of salt. And I don't mean that in a negative way. Like I said, I consider it as a data point, but it's just one. Now, of course, if they completely pan a camera or a smartphone because of its sensor, that can't be ignored. So a year ago, they said that the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus have the best cameras of any smartphone. Now, I've got the 6 Plus, as you know, and I love it. It's got a great, great camera in there. No doubt about it. You know, you'd think that with a year having passed, the sensors and the new iPhones would score higher, and yet they didn't. And I don't think that really bothers me so much. Most of us update our phones every two years or so when we're eligible. And it's that time, a year from now, when I'd be concerned about the sensor not scoring higher. So I think if you're looking at the iPhone 6S and the 6S Plus, you really need to compare them to what was out two years ago, not the iPhone 6 and the 6 Plus, two years ago. I think that if you look at a two-year cycle and see how they're doing, if the sensors are not that much better, then you can say that Apple is taking its eye off the prize at that time. I don't think that Apple can stay at the top, and they clearly haven't this time. When you've got so many smartphones that are coming out, someone is going to take the top spot. Apple can regain it, but what if they don't regain it? That is the problem right there. I think it's worth noting that the new iPhones receive the same score as last year's iPhone 6 and 6 Plus. So at least they didn't get worse. There's that, right? Now, to me, worrying about how the sensor in your phone scores is akin to seeing a prettier girl and thinking about stepping out on your wife. You were perfectly happy with her, but then you see someone a little bit more shiny that catches your eye. You wouldn't have known the difference unless it was pointed out to you. You were perfectly happy until something else came along. And there's always going to be something shinier that comes along is the point. So I think that we should be mindful of the scores, but we shouldn't let it change how we feel about what we have now. Okay, and there's another seven minutes of Mike's comments to go, and his full comments will be at the end of the show, after the outro, and music. Thanks, Mike, for the feedback. And folks, if you are looking for a photography podcast to listen to, check out Petapixels. There'll be a link to that in the show notes. And thanks to Edward, Vicky, and Lyle for their donations to the show, for the iPad Pro, that is. It is greatly appreciated, and if you would like to help out the show anytime, there is the donate button in the lower right side of the site at todayinios.com. Again, Edward, Ricky, and Lyle, thank you so much for donating to the show. Back into the email bag. Hi, Rob. Just a quick note about the podcast app since the last update. It seems very difficult to maintain my unplayed podcast list now that Apple has updated to iOS 9 before... The update I had tile system and now I'm forced to use a list style for organizing the uh, my unplayed podcast it's quirky and after a few weeks I still don't get it am I the only one who hates the podcast update for this app what's your take or others love the show thanks Gasamandav Erie oh gas man Dave <laughs> yeah good going there Gas Man Dave in Erie, PA. All right, Gasman Dav. Well, I think the answer is people don't always like change. And I know in this case, a lot of people don't like this change. I can't say that I've heard anybody really call in and say that they like the new podcast update that came with iOS 9. 
I, it's taken me some time to get used to it, and I'm still working on getting used to it. But yeah, the forget tiles, those are gone. Everything's lists, and that's just the way it is. I don't think there's any way to go back to the tiles with it. I went and looked. I couldn't find a way. Maybe there is. It's hidden somewhere in a feature. But as far as I know, uh, especially for the unplayed list, it is that, a list. Hi, Rob. It's Todd from Sydney, Australia. I know that was a pretty bad impression of your celebrity caller, Daniel, but uh, I thought I'd give it a go anyway. My problem, I have the kids set up on their own iTunes accounts, and when they request an app, we can, through home sharing, approve or deny it. Now, in iOS 8, it used to work with Touch ID, and that was very convenient, but seems that under iOS 9, that uh, ability to approve that with Touch ID is gone. Uh, I can't seem to find a setting anywhere. Now, you are my resource for iOS-related issues, and when you don't know something, which is very unlikely, I'm sure somebody out there in iOS land will uh, chime in and, and help me out with this. Does anybody know where that setting is now to change the uh, security preferences for home sharing to allow us to use Touch ID. Thanks for everything you do, Rob. I really appreciate it. And um, if you can let us know where to donate, I'm happy to uh, throw a few dollars your way to uh, hopefully get an iPad Pro and, and tell us all about it because uh, we really look forward to your uh, podcast every week. I know it takes hours and hours and hours to put together. So I really appreciate what you do, and I'm sure everybody else that listens does as well. Thanks again, Rob. Keep up the good work, and uh, see you next time. Todd, first I'll throw this back to you and say, have you updated to iOS 9.1, and did it fix this issue? Two, I haven't found anything on this. I've done, I'm not using home sharing, so I can't test it. But if anyone out there is using home share, and they're on iOS 9 or greater, ha are you having this issue that... Todd had here with Touch ID, and if so, were you able to find a solution? So if anyone's found a solution to allow you to let the other apps be downloaded and, and approve apps with Touch ID in iOS 9 or greater, let us know what you had to do, whether settings, what was what needs to be turned on. And Todd, per your comments about donating to the show, as I mentioned earlier, well, first off, thank you for mentioning that. And as I said earlier, folks, just go to todayinios.com, and in the lower right-hand side, there's a donate button. If you did not update to iOS 9.1 and want to jailbreak, and you have a Windows PC, then Pango has a jailbreak for you. Go to en.pangu.io, link in the show notes, to download the software to jailbreak your iOS 9.0 to iOS 9.0.2 device. As always, if you do jailbreak, let me know how it went and what your favorite jailbreak tweaks or apps are. Please note, I did see some people say that that many of the tweaks and apps have not yet been updated to support iOS 9. So if you are jailbroken and at iOS 8.4.1 or earlier, do you update to iOS 9.0.2? Well, right now Apple is still signing it and you can jailbreak it. Or do you want to wait? Um, my suggestion would be to jailbreak to 9.0.2 again now and make sure you get that version and not iOS 9.1 and then upgrade to 9.0.2 while it is still being signed by Apple. So do that now 
if you want a jailbreak with iOS 9 device. And then you do the jailbreak. But again, make sure it's 9.0.2 that you're updating to. You have to go out and find it. There's links still available for that. And then uh, Apple's still signing it. So do that now because there's no telling how long Apple is going to keep signing 9.0.2. It could be removed in any time in the next week. And once again, criteria are that you're running 9.0 to 9.0.2 and you have a Windows PC. Hey, Rob, this is Warren Dickey from Tampa, Florida. I know you can't do anything about this, but maybe people listening to Apple will will get a clue. Man, I've got the uh, 6S Plus, and I love everything about it, but the power button being on the side. I don't know if the uh, 6 Plus was like that, because I went from a 5S to a 6S Plus, but the power button being on the side directly across from the volume buttons is a real pain in the butt. So when I'm trying to, to put the thing to sleep or trying to power it off, I keep forgetting about that, and so I'm constantly adjusting my volume up or down, depending on where my thumb lands. Uh, it's maddening. Why on earth they would have ever put that on the side like that, I have no idea. Maybe there's a good rationale. Maybe you know what it is. But the, the volume button or the power button on the top, like the 5S had, was perfect because I could just hold the phone in my hand, reach out with my index finger, and... and push it, especially if I'm taking a screen capture. I can just reach out with my index finger, hold that down, then tap the home button, and I've got a screen capture. Now, I can't be sure what's going to happen if I mistakenly hold the phone in my hand, and as I'm trying to push the power button or the home or the power button down, I may be adjusting the volume, and it may not even recognize that I'm pushing the power button down. I've missed some screen captures that way. It's really maddening. So, uh, all right, Apple. If you ever, if any of you ever listen to this, please, for the love of Pete, for the next version, please put the power button back on top. All right, Rob, as usual, love your show. Thanks. Hi, Warren. Thanks for the feedback. And yes, the 6 and 6 Plus both have the power button on the side. And yes, it took some getting used to. And no, my wife does not like that either. She was complaining about it just the other day because I had to give her my phone for running around a little bit because her phone was dead. And she was taking mine, and she did not like where that button was either. So you kind of echoing what her sentiments were recently. But you do get used to it. It takes a little bit of time. But once you're used to it, it's not so bad. Per why Apple made the change? Because they could. Back to the email bag. Hey Rob, I have a problem that is frustrating because it makes no sense. Over multiple versions of iOS, currently 9.0.2, and with 8.4.1 and earlier, Multiple iPhones, multiple SIM cards from different carriers, hotspot connectivity randomly works and does not work using Wi-Fi to connect to it. The computer or other device, and I have tried multiple different devices, Apple and PC. The device will always establish the Wi-Fi connection to the iPhone, but it will or will not actually have internet access. Sometimes it has it for a minute and then it disappears. It... will report that the connection is limited or has no internet access. Both mean the same. It just says it the two different ways, in different places. The phone will always have internet access just fine when this happens. I have reset network settings, of course, rebooted, turned on hotspot off and back on, turned Wi-Fi off and back on, rebooted the phone, rebooted the computer, turned Wi-Fi on and off and on and, and on on the computer, Plugging it directly in with the cable to the computer results in a connection that works fine. 
the iPhones have been iPhone 6 Plus. Regards, Jim. Jim, sorry to hear the issues, and I need to ask, have you changed out your Wi-Fi router? You mentioned a lot of different things you changed there, but I went back and reread that a couple times, and it doesn't look like you have actually changed out your router. Might have some sort of issue with an older router. See if you know if you have a newer one, if this issue happens. Hello, Rob. It's Daniel from Wizbeach, Cambridgeshire. Imagine the Big Bang when the universe was created. Wizbeach is that little sparkler in the distance. What I want to talk about is iOS related. Oh, thank God. I know, I can hear them. Um, basically, it's the iPhone 6S. Um, in the UK, we have a chain called John Lewis. It's quite upmarket. No one in Wizbeach has ever visited it, but I did. And they offer a two-year warranty on all iPhone 6Ss. Okay, so that might be quite worth it. If you're in the UK, don't necessarily go to the Apple Store, but go to John Lewis and you get a little bit of a better deal. Same price, obviously. They don't do price reductions at Apple, not that I know of anyway. So what's my opinion? Well, I used it um, and I found it laggy. I found it slow. I found the force touch was slightly non-responsive. We're only talking microseconds, but then microseconds feel like an eternity um, when you're used to something that just works so beautifully fluid. So that was my first impression, pretty much my only impression. Everything else about the iPhone 6S I was pretty happy with. Um, I like, you know, um, the way that obviously when Force Touch is applied to it, then it brings up the menu. I think that's great. I didn't get a chance to do the photos thing because it was a display model. Anybody else experienced that? Because when I went back, when I put that down and went to my iPhone 6, I found it instantly better. Right, moving on. Apps. What's going on in the App Store? I'm getting a little bit bored with the top chart still being the same thing. I think we're ready. I think we're ready for some new revolutionary app. Think Monument Valley, uh, Hitman Go, something like that that's, that's going to kill a bit of time. That's the other thing I want to talk about. The final thing, Rob, is I need some help. Again, what is it with this guy? I know, I'm not that great, okay? And it's with iCloud Drive. <clears throat> I use Dropbox, I use Google Drive on the phone. I found them brilliant. I can't upload to iCloud Drive on my iPhone. That's my problem. If you can't upload to iCloud Drive and you can only do it from a computer and then download to the iPhone, that is, well, that's like, I'm sure on my BBC Micro back in the day, I was able to do something like that with a 3.5-inch floppy. So, there are the things, please. The iCloud Drive. I just kind of want an explanation. Um, all right, anyway. Absolutely, as always, love the show. Informative to the end. It's a great big, long plethora of information coming directly to the earlobes, and I love it. Guess what? Have a nice day. Daniel, thanks for calling in. And if anyone can help Daniel, give us a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG, or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Hey, Rob, this is Derek. If you ask Siri to tell me that you love me, she has over 12 different responses. They're pretty funny. Check them out. Tell me you love me. I respect you. Tell me you love me. Let's just say you have my utmost admiration. Tell me you love me. Well, you're definitely starting to grow on me. Tell me you love me. Look, a puppy. Tell me you love me. Would you like me to search the web for love? Just kidding. Tell me you love me. Let me get back to you on that. Tell me you love me. That may be beyond my abilities at the moment. Tell me you love me.
I'm not capable of love. Thanks again to lynda.com for their support of TII. And if you go to lynda.com slash TII, that's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash TII, you will get a free 10-day trial to their 3,300 plus video tutorials. Thanks, Linda, for sponsoring the show and for the free offer. And before we go today, I want to remind you to send your feedback into the show. Call 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOONDOG, or record your comments and email them to me at todayinios at gmail.com. Feedback can be a question or comment for something someone said on the show. It can be a question or rant you have about something else, an app, a product for you, good or bad. As long as it is iOS-related, it is welcomed. I'm always looking for new artwork to feature that you can create on an iOS device. Just put some TII branding on it and send it in. And, of course, we are desperately now looking for more music that's been created on an iOS device to play on the show. It's your show, and your feedback is greatly desired. And don't forget to check out our moderated Google Plus community by going to todayinios.com slash community. Thanks to Bowl and Branch for sponsoring this episode. Folks, go right now to bowlandbranch.com. That's bowl spelled B-O-L-L, and use the promo code TII to save $50 off the nicest sheets you have ever owned with free shipping to boot. Finally, there is the TII app, which is free to you. Search for TII in the iTunes App Store. It is the best way to consume the show and to get push notifications each time a new episode of TII is released. It is fully voiceover friendly, of course. Please go right now and download the TII app. And did I mention it's free? And that, folks, is going to do it for us today. Until the next time, I'm your host, Rob, from Today in iOS, reminding you to go Royals. This show is hosted on Libsyn.com and part of the Wizard Media Network. If you are looking for hosting, go to Libsyn.com, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, for hosting for your podcast and for creation of your own smartphone app. The Today in iOS podcast can also be found on the free Stitcher radio app. Just search for T-I-I.
Hi, Rob. It's Kim from Oregon again. And uh, I was reading an article the other day, and it talked about how 41% of people that have Android you are having major problems. They're having to call in and try and get them to fix stuff and everything. You know how many people are calling into Apple for uh, issues? Like 3%, give or take. That is a huge difference. Not only that, but Android is having some major security issues. And um, I've looked on Google. I've Google searched just for the heck of it. Um, five reasons why people wouldn't would want an Android over an iPhone. <laughs> there are a bunch of reasons, and I got a bunch of hits. And I don't understand any of them. I don't want to customize my phone. Thank you very much. Or get a bigger screen. Or Google Now. I don't care. Okay, some of that stuff would be nice if I can track my packages with Siri, but you know, I don't. I can deal with just going to the UPS website. Anyway, um, I love my gold iPhone 6S, and I'm never going to switch to Android, especially considering how I'm totally blind and the accessibility on Android sucks. You have to go to the settings and enable talkback. Like, someone decided how to do this for you. You can't do it yourself. On an iPhone, you just either <clears throat> triple tap the home screen or triple tap the home button uh, three times and it says voiceover on or off. Or you just say to Siri, Siri, turn voiceover on or off, and it does. You can't do that with Android. I checked. Anyway, hope you have a great day. Talk to you later. Bye. My iPhone 6 Plus is still going to take great photos and would for years if I held on to it. Now, should Apple be concerned that they didn't come out on top? Yes, and here's why. As we reported over on the Petapixel Photography Podcast, the sensor in the Sony Xperia Z5 is magical. It is really, really good. So I'm not at all surprised that it scored a full five points higher than the iPhones. Imagine what it must take to score five points higher than another smartphone of a similar generation. You've got incredible sensor technology and great processing behind it that make those sensors so much better. The sensor in that Sony is insane. Great white balance and color rendering. It preserves details in really cruddy low light conditions. And the digital noise, what we used to call grain back in the film days, is a lot more pleasing. It's there in the low light, but it's not too bad. Now remember, in tons of light, your photos will be great. It's when you get into horrible lighting conditions that you really see how the sensor performs. To allow in more light, it has to crank up the ISO. It's essentially a gain adjustment, just as with audio. The more you crank it up, the noisier things get. It's more distortion, basically. Also, you're going to notice that things get more stuttery, and that's because it's essentially lowering the shutter speed, for lack of a better term, to allow in more light. This is why you get blurry photos in cruddy lighting conditions. It has to drop the shutter speed, and because of that, you see the blur. 
So what we need out of our smartphone cameras is the ability to handle all lighting conditions. You know, our beloved iPhones don't do as well as that Sony, and that should be problematic for Apple. They need to get on that like soon. And by the way, Sony makes the sensors in many smartphones these days. Most people don't really know that. And if you have a Nikon camera, chances are better than not that you actually have a Sony sensor inside. Sony just announced that they're spinning off their sensor division. That's how well they're doing. They're absolutely killing it out there. There is more demand for Sony sensors, and we're talking in smartphones as well as cameras, than they can even keep up with. That's a good problem to have, right? I can't recall who makes the sensors in iPhones. I want to say it's Samsung. But if Apple were to team up with Sony for the sensors in the future iPhones, game over. That would be awesome. As a side note, in episode 12 of our podcast, we had the inventor of the CMOS sensor, Dr. Eric Fossum, open the show. Without him, who knows where sensor technology would be? All of this stuff is stemming from his research. And there are some really incredibly smart people out there. He's actually working on some stuff that is going to be amazing in the next decade. And you're going to see a lot of that drill down to smartphones. You know, Rob, I really don't understand why Apple went with a sensor that doesn't have the ability to capture nearly as much light as the previous model. It's like using a smaller bucket to gather rain. A larger bucket is going to capture more raindrops. It's the same thing with the photo sites they're called on image sensors. The larger those photo sites, the more light gathering power they have. And Apple went with something that is smaller. So that's curious. Also, it's important to note that other smartphones have a fast f1.8 or f2 aperture in them, while Apple's iPhones are stuck at, I believe, f2.4, and that affects its ability to gather light as well. The opening in the lens is essentially not as large as it could be to let in more light. The larger the opening, the more light that can be gathered. And all these things work together in tandem. The ISO, the aperture, the shutter speed, the quality of the sensor. There are so many moving parts here. It is amazing. When you go from f1.8 to f2.4, that is nearly a full stop. In other words, a smartphone which can do f1.8 on its lens will let in nearly twice as much light as one that's stuck at f2.4. More disturbing, though, is why Apple continues to shun the kind of image stabilization technology that would make these phones more useful in poor lighting conditions. And face it, we're usually in poor lighting conditions. If you're able to steady that image right there in your smartphone, you're going to get sharper shots in lower light. And we're seeing that in other smartphones out there. It is curious as to why Apple does not have this technology in the iPhone. I don't understand it. You know, Rob, our iPhones produce great images, but the Android phones that are out there have pulled ahead when it comes to capturing more detail and especially in low light. Why don't they have this technology in the iPhone? I don't understand. Apple would be wise to team up with Sony. Sony is absolutely killing it when it comes to sensor technology. Why wouldn't Apple want the best? I know they've got deals with Samsung and, you know, they actually have a contentious relationship with Samsung, but they also rely on each other a lot. There's nothing that says that Apple can't go to Sony sensors, and I think they should do that and quick. Get the best sensor technology that you can and regain that top spot where you deserve to be, Apple. Rob, I know you and I are in agreement on this. When most people are upgrading their phones, I think they're looking at the camera features these days as the top, top deciding factor. Nothing else is changing. Screens really aren't getting any larger or any better. You can only resolve so many pixels. The human eye can only see so much. It looks great now. So what can you change? You can change the camera. And that's where people are looking when they're upgrading their phones. 
You know, for consumers, I think you see a bar graph showing Apple not at the top anymore, and it's a real head scratcher. It has to just mess with your mind when it comes to your perception of Apple being able to make great phones. So I think that Apple should be really concerned about that. I can't see myself switching anytime soon. I'm a massive Apple fanboy. I mean, I'm appled out to the hilt. You name the product that Apple puts out, I've got it. But there's some technology in these other devices that I would like to see in my iPhone. And so hopefully they can get on top of that one of these days. And Apple has the cash to make that happen, and they should. You know, we talk about this stuff over at our podcast all the time, about how to get the most from your smartphones, make better photos, better photography in general. So if you want to learn more about these things, head on over to the Petapixel Photography Podcast. You can find us in iTunes and elsewhere, or you can go to petapixel.com slash podcast. That's P-E-T-A-P-I-X-E-L dot com slash podcast. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Rob. I really appreciate it. Love the show. You're doing great work here.